Well, if you can have soccer chanting, nothing says hot like a 40-year-old high school student who sounds like a 60-year-old bartender. Welcome to Mount Rushmore. My name is Jeff, and I'm the new kid in high school with a leather jacket and a troubled past. This is Richard, who can start a jukebox with the wrap of his hand. This is Michael, who can play rock guitar while doing a 360 kickflip on a skateboard. Insert guitar riff here. This week, we're discussing the Mount Rushmore of fictional cool guys. We're talking about cool guys in literature, in film, in television, in anything. And this was Richard's suggestion. Yeah, and although we do know that the coolest people here are you, That's the right. listener. The listener. You're automatically cool just yeah. by being a listener yeah, you guys of rock, our podcast. Rock. Yeah. You, do you have cigarettes rolled up in the shirt sleeve of your t-shirt well i got a little confused i actually rolled them up in my underwear oh god <laughs> and they're clothes <laughs> oh my god there's one lit okay richard why did you choose this oh i, I think he sticks cools in his socks to keep them fresh and minty <laughs> that's how cool i am so cool so no i just there are so many different flavors if you will of cool guys yeah and this isn't just when i thought of this it's not just popular characters because every show has like the popular type of character but it's more specifically there's like an element of coolness to them yeah something that other characters like relate to Mm -hmm. and kind of want to emulate or sort of realize that they can't Mm -hmm. there's some sort of inherent thing about them Uh, before we jump in what does make somebody cool and not a dud is it uh Uh, you just know it when you see it you just know when you see it yeah It's, I mean, what's the... In the 70s, we went through the anti-hero. So this person was... Think of somebody who was kind of wounded, kind of like James Dean or vulnerable, like a, almost every Al Pacino character or somebody who wins by losing, like in Justice for All. And oftentimes we find that person is cool by how they interact with the structure of society around them or I the think, institution that they're in. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to just this weird sort of attitude yeah. that one gives off. All right, Richard, pick the topic. That means Michael starts. Okay, and i going to get super boring on the first one. That may mark against me. And we might have talked about him just recently, but Fonzie from Happy Days. Oh, Great wow. pick. I didn't put him on there specifically because we recently talked, we just about, him. talked about him. Well, I thought about that, but we really only talked about like his jacket yeah, because he was on the Mount Rushmore of jackets. It would but, seem like an omission were we to not speak of the Fonz. Yeah. I think he exemplifies all the things that people think are cool, mm-hmm. even though he's kind of like this, you know, 30 something year old guy that Jewish guy. That, yeah, like, huh. pretending to be like a Italian greaser Italian. Yeah. yeah, and that hangs out. I wasn't just saying he wasn't cool because he was Jewish. That was Come the on. very first thing that you said. But I, that's <laughs> like, not what not, I meant. Well, you know, that's not. That, we oh, know what the record shows. You didn't let me. You didn't let me finish it. And you can you can know what the record shows by just banging your fist right on the jukebox to play the next record, which is you hating on. A, there you go. His full name. <laughs> his full name. Um, Arthur Fonzarelli. Fonzarella or Fonzarelli. 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 Yeah. So even in classic his Jewish world, name, he's he's me. He's, he's totally. That's funny. Interior malt shop. A man enters wearing a leather jacket and a yarmulke. He is. It's a leather yarmulke, so uh, it's it's cool. Arthur Fonzeshevitz. <laughs> the I, I think the thing is about him is he was the cool guy amongst all of the other like. As a reflection of Richie Cunningham and yeah. the other, what, Ralph Malf and mm-hmm. Potsy. Yeah. Like, those three dorks were just, like, school book nerds. Oh, and yeah. just, like, 
not with it with the girls, but then Fonzie was this guy that came in and he just he picked up all the girls mm-hmm. and he had an office in a bathroom. Let's he had an office in a bathroom, which yeah. is kind of kind weird, of <laughs> but they treated it as cool. It didn't yeah. seem to matter what you knew. It whatever was like, he did, it was it was cool. They they thought it was cool in their real weird kind of Milwaukee yeah. world with this with the wrap of a hand start a jukebox or whatever, right? Where a girls' clothes would fall off. I assume Magically fall off. Wait, no, that was that was zapped, right? Oh. <laughs> You're thinking Chachi, not, okay. uh, not, not Fonzie. I, well, maybe the powers just trans, transcended like and just went... From, yeah, it was a, it's a trait. It's family genetics. Trait, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting for me with the Fonz because that's one of the examples, I think, of a TV show mm-hmm. where you have a cool character and if the show is on long enough, you have to try and develop the character. Yeah. And part of what makes a lot of characters cool is their mystery. Yeah. That's a very good point. And so the further you that's got along... That's a pretty good point. It's not great, but it's all right. So uh, part of the, uh, I think, cool factor of the Fonz kind of, as the show went on, it's like they had to develop the character. It's like uh, it's like Wolverine. It's like when he first came out, he was like this mysterious guy. You didn't know his real last name or anything about him. He went by the name of Logan. Yeah. And then, you know, 30 years later, they're like, all right, let's give him a first and last name and give him a story, <laughs> a background story that's really stupid. And you're like... Oh, he man. used to work as a, as a Dippin' Dot salesman or whatever the hell. <laughs> they but, keep uh, falling through my claws. It's <laughs> the ice cream of the future, and I can't get it in my... There was, there was a very interesting thing that they would do with Fonzie, though, because he, he was always kind of... A, he was a cool guy, but he was always like the moral center of everyone. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he dated high school girls, but he treated them very nicely. And he always tr- talked to, like... Uh, uh, Mrs. C yeah. with respect and yeah. you know, it was the mother that he never really had or mm-hmm. whatever. But he was always this moral center but then was also the bad boy because he'd ride his motorcycle into Al's. Yeah. So he was kind of had these two strange parts where like they couldn't, they had to make him cool but then they also had to make him moral. Yeah. Which seemed kind of at odds but then a role model somewhat because mm-hmm. he, because of, uh, or almost his, his maturation process was, as he was older, was he, was he not? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so. He wasn't much. I, I don't think he was supposed to be much older, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you look at him and he was seems like he was in his 30s at the time. But I think he was supposed to be kind of just out of high school. Okay. Or maybe in his 20s. So maybe yeah. him dating high school girls wasn't as creepy as it very obviously <laughs> is. And I guess he just he kind of dropped out of high school and went into mechanicery mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. it's called. And then, you know, but also, hey, guys, secretly on the back end, he was getting his degree at night. Yeah, come on. And so he was he was a cool guy that dropped yeah. out of high school, but he also guess what? He also got his degree. So he can just go back and get it. So then he becomes a teacher. <laughs> he becomes a teacher. Well, he was also going through rabbinical school, I think. <laughs> right, <not>? yeah. <laughs> and I just want to point out later on, he winds up they were making him kind of like political because Henry Winkler was like more political oh, yeah. had like political things he was interested in. Did they? So he started like going with Richie on like freedom rides <laughs> and stuff like that, like legitimately uh-huh. and like they had a, an, an episode where he gets upset because they go to a segregated black diner. Oh, wow. It's black owls. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, yeah, again, it's just like that. The more you pile on background info about this character over time, it's like, oh, he's kind of, mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we come, come, come out swinging with Fonz. Richard, what's your first choice? So my first choice is Winston the Wolf Wolf Oh, from Pulp Fiction. Oh, very good. Cool. So this is the p- character played by Harvey Keitel, who is called in after um, John Travolta accidentally shoots somebody in the face. Yeah. 
in the back of a back of a car, and they have about I can't remember it's supposed to be like two hours to clean it up because they pull into uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, his house. They pull in the timeline of this movie gets a little uh, squinchy just in in general, but there. His wife is supposedly coming home at like eight in the morning. Yes, and they have two hours to do this, uh-huh. which means that at six in the morning. So that, let's backtrack it. So two hours before that, six in the morning. Right. So they're in L.A. and these stoners that they kill uh-huh. have a big Kahuna burger at what four thirty in the morning, and it's bright out. Well, there's nothing. There's nothing. You know, I don't think there's anything incorrect about that. Stoners eating burgers at four thirty in the morning. So no, let's- just just that it's it seems like it's in the middle of the day. Or maybe it's the morning, but it doesn't seem as late. Well, it's supposed to be all jumbled up. I guess we're getting off the point. Which does bring up the point that it's like eight in the morning when they call in Winston the wolf. Yeah. As he's basically the fixer. Yeah. Um, The person come in and take care of problems for Marcellus Wallace. And it eight in the morning, he is at a party. (laughs) In a full tux. In a full tux. (laughs) With a beautiful girl. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, it takes me half hour to get there. I'll be there in 12 and then like 11 minutes, 37 seconds, whatever. He yeah. comes screeching up. Apparently in the script, it suggests that there is casino gambling going on. And in fact, you can hear in the background, someone says, place your bets. Hmm. Further research suggests that they may be playing a game of uh, Baccarat. Okay. In a, uh, yeah, it's the ultimate cool person game. It to is play. a real cool person game to play. Because nobody knows how to play it yeah. except for super rich people. So that may be what's going on there. There oh, may okay. be like a illegal game of, of Baccarat being played early in the morning, hmm. which makes sense, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a, a cool thing that a cool person would do when you're ultra-rich ultra, ultra rich and right. you solve problems. So he comes in, and he just, he takes care of shit. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, about the coolest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Comes in, there's no nonsense. Here's what we need to do. Uh, Vinny Vega starts talking like an asshole. He slaps him right down. Mm-hmm. It's like immediately he walks in the room. A room that includes Samuel L. Jackson, and, and he cool. is far and away the coolest person in that yeah. room. I think that's I think that's the key to it. Is you know we talked earlier about like what makes someone cool. It's when other people think you're cool. Yeah, and the two like coolest people from in the movie so far that you've met that are decked out in suits that right that command the scene from mm-hmm. you know the very first thing in the movie, and or maybe it's the second. Uh, I guess the second scene right after the uh, honey bunny and uh, what's his name scene. Uh, Tim Roth, Tim Roth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, other character the name other character. is that these people are like bowing down immediately yeah. and like, oh, this guy's gonna do it. We're fine. Oh, you're sending in the wolf? Shit, that's all you had to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. That one, <laughs> um, and just immediately by the end of the scene, you know, he is basically taking the two cool badass characters and has them in the shittiest like dork ass like. Sure, the t-shirts banana, and banana slugs, banana slug <laughs> shirts, and all that, and has just basically completely broken them down, but made them do what they needed to do to take care of this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes them look like a couple of dorks just standing there in their shorts. And I think the best part about it is the fact that it's it's not like it's a. This is not something that he hasn't seen before. This is not him coming in and okay, we got to do this now. Panic, go, go, go! It's like okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. We got 40 minutes before Bonnie comes. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Don't worry about cleaning up cleaning up the uh, interior too much, but get the windows. That's the most important thing. This, this, that, and that. And it just... He's like he's like a guy that knows how to give CPR and right. then sends out people to go do the tasks that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you've taken CPR courses, you're like, okay, 
You go call. You point to someone. You right. go call the co- You go call yeah. the emergency line. You stay here and do this. You do this, and then people do it. If you just yeah. give out commands just to the ether, everyone's just kind of like, oh well, I'll just, well, I'll just won't do anything, mm-hmm. and then maybe right. it'll get done. But he's because in a pan, in, in I bet a, he knows CPR too. I, I bet. I bet he does. I oh, bet yeah. he's had to use it before. Yeah. Because the cool thing about him, one of the cool things about him, I think, is the fact that in an emergency situation, we'd all like to think that we would be that guy. Yeah. The guy who's like, okay, we got this under control. You go do this. Go do this. I'm taking charge. Mm -hmm. In reality, we would all be the people running around like a chicken where their heads cut off. Yeah. And he is not. Mm -hmm. And he just gets it done. And then... You know, ends as all cool people do by taking Julia Sweeney out yeah. for breakfast. When she's you, when you got Sweeney as your arm candy, Oof, you made <laughs> some. Michael, your second. Well, when I was thinking of cool people, I thought, well, you got to have cool in your name. No, so, no, you don't actually. So, Mister Freeze. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, that's a that was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. I love sorry. it. Frosty the Snow. No, wait. Well, <laughs> that's two of them I got down. Uh, Mike the Cool Person nice. from The Young Ones. Nice. Oh, nice. Where uh, Christopher Ryan, uh, it's a British TV comedy that was on. I don't know if we've talked about this much on the show. Talked a little bit. A couple times. Couple, two, three times. Two, three times. Um, it was a two-season long, 12-episode English comedy um, about these four awful college students. Yeah. And um, one of them's a punk, one of them's a hippie, one of them's a, I don't know, art student. No, he's kind of like a poet. He's like hipster poet. Well, he's kind of like a Neil. socialist. Provocateur. Yeah. Uh, self, self-indulging. self He's just awful. Right. And then the last person that rounds out the group is Mike, who's only listed as Mike the cool person. Yeah. You never learn his last name. Yeah. But he kind of walks in and... Is ever- he even a student? Yeah. He is? Yeah. I mean, he's buying his way through college through like a blackmail blackmail and right. bribery but he's just the self-appointed cool person who probably isn't all that cool because of yeah. who he chooses to hang out with yeah but the three of them kind of bow down to him as the default leader of the house mm-hmm. and the default leader of the group and he kind of has these weird dictatorial uh yeah. ways about him where kind of vivian serves as his kind of right-hand man, his violent stooge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've i always liked him just as the cool person. Yeah. But then he's probably not as cool as, you know. <laughs> he claims he's like kind of this ladies' man, which is a very cool thing to be. Sure. Uh, but, you know, he has like a blow-up doll in his room. And mm-hmm. he has all these, these fake things to kind of put on the persona of being cool but not yeah. actually being that cool. Do we feel like he is the representative of the conservative business people in Thatcher, England? So, Prob- yeah, yeah, I would probably. I know that that like um Rick every once in a while will even even though he's like this left-wing anarchist, like he'll he'll basically refer back to, well, you know, they have some really good ideas about the government and what yeah. they're trying to do, but you know. Yeah. Um but Mike's always been one of he's he was never my favorite, but I've always appreciated him as I've gotten older with like his terrible puns and his asides. And yeah. What I like about Mike too is he's like like the, just the smallest one of the group. He is very he's very the much the antithesis of what you would attribute to being like this big strapping, handsome, overly good looking guy yeah. that gets all the girls and. He's just very obviously not. Yeah. But then neither of the other guys, they're even more pathetic than him as well. Yeah. 
the con artist he's, of the group very much. Yeah, it's like if he it's like he would be trying to be the wolf, right? But failing, right? <laughs> but driving up in in like Viv's uh, Ford Anglia, <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right, Richard, your second choice is what? what? My second choice is Chris Knight from Real Genius. No, oh, good one. Um, which I I like this one a lot because it is it sort of inverts the trope. Of the dorks at the smart kid school. Yeah, he's he's cool. He's a cool guy and a nerd. Yeah, which which is rare to see. It might be one of the first. Doesn't happen very often. Might be one of the first times that you've ever seen like an incredibly smart character. Yeah, especially a character in college. If we think now, there's sitcoms that are the most popular sitcoms, and geek culture has kind of taken over the realm of cool. Right. So. That was unique back in the day because it was he was the chic geek. Yeah, he was yeah. like the the proto Chris Hardwick. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of that you know geeky, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly smart, but also cool. Yeah, also in you know interested Tuck- in interested in, in uh, scorn and being good with the ladies. Yeah, and uh, as Tuck- as as evidenced by the uh, his reaction in the uh, montage as we've discussed before. Uh huh. Um. Uh, just being like the lusting over and having like one of those wolfish yeah. sort of like uh Tex tongue. Avery sort yeah. of like eyes popping out of his head when he sees a girl go past. So it was very, I think it was very tough in the eighties to have a character that could have dual traits. Like you had the revenge of the nerds and they were always all nerds, all nerds no matter what kind of nerd you were. The jocks were the quote cool people, but they were all jocks and all of the same, yeah. you know, cut of the same cloth, except for, I guess that one guy who, was like an overalls, but um, I, I like this pick because I think he 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 brought something to it to being not just you know the smartest guy in college, but he was also like the coolest guy. Yeah, I mean, and if you did have a cool guy who had other traits or a popular kid, let's say that was pretty much treated as such a big deal. Like I'm trying to think, like Lucas or something mm-hmm. like that. Where it's like, oh, he's actually sensitive, or oh, yeah, and, and without thinking of a particular show, like, mm-hmm. oh, it turns out he's actually a really great. He loves writing or some yeah. crap like that, and that's like the whole premise. And this isn't the premise; it's just he's Val Kilmer, noted great American thespian, mm-hmm. <laughs> Val Kilmer. How do you think he prepped for this role? What kind of what kind of work do you think he did think to he's get sleeping into with character? Cher at the time? So maybe was he shagged Cher? I don't know. Was he a Juilliard guy? I forget Kilmer. Okay, so one thing I think is interesting, like James Bond. Yeah, and he was a Juilliard guy, by the way. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Juilliard? Oh, James Bond went to Juilliard. James yeah, Bond went to Juilliard. Know. James Bond relied on technology and gadgets. Uh, he he had a nerd on his staff that made them for him, and he was always misusing them. Please do be careful, James. But that might have been a precedent for that character, somebody who embraced technology while stooping the... The foreign <laughs> exotic women. Right. No, I just I, I I put this on this on the list. I know it's a movie that Michael and I both really appreciate it. Sure. And you get the feeling I mean Val Kilmer plays this in the movie, and he's Val Kilmer in nineteen eighty or was six or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um coming off the role, I think, before this was Top Secret, hmm. where he is playing cool guy, yeah, Nick Rivers. And so it's a character, it's a, it's an actor who is very much associated with being cool. And you could see where that character in another context would have been played as like the ultra cool guy who doesn't really have time for the other nerds. Well, I think, I think what this pick and what 
the three other ones we've talked about so far is they've they've still used someone within the story to act as like your eyes to see how cool they are, whether uh-huh. it's the other guys from the young ones or whether it is, uh, you know, the gang from happy days or whether it's, you know, Vincent Vega and, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Jules Winfield. Oh yeah. Shout out to Jules Winfield. Cool guy. Um, is that your dad? <laughs> uh, the, uh, Mitch character comes in as the next resident egghead mm-hmm. and, there's this guy who is smarter, than, like he knows that he's smarter than him. He knows he's this one of the smartest guys here. But then he's also like, he's also sees him as this super cool guy and this goof off. And like, so you your image of who uh, Chris Knight is is definitely to- told through the eyes of this fourteen year old dork. Yeah, um, that and the fact that he has to get taken down a peg. Yeah, you one know. one entire peg, a, a square peg, one yeah peg. Um, you know, when he basically finds out that William Atherton has, uh, been playing him all along. So you do have with, within this character, cause it's almost like he's set up to be too perfect. Mm-hmm. Like he's the smartest kid at Caltech and the coolest and the coolest. And, and he gets all on, the ladies and, and he's working on the coolest project and he's almost graduated. Right. And I'm sure he's going to get whatever job he yeah. wants or whatever. Yeah. You know. So there has to be some level of something that not just brings him down to peck, but also humanizes him a bit Mm -hmm. where he actually gets to be angry and upset and you see that he's got some sort of passion Mm -hmm. for it so i I just love this character hey quick aside uh william atherton in ghostbusters yeah okay he's so he's the head of the epa like if this if this movie was wait what's the epa i don't know what that (laughs) is it doesn't Uh, exist anymore will that have been cut well will they will they have cut that by the time this airs uh if they were to remake ghostbusters and i don't know why they would ever try to do that um it's amazing that the guy that would be the head of the EPA that's looking out for the environment is like pegged as the bad the guy. guy. Yeah. Now, now he would be like, "Oh, come on, come on in. Yeah, please uh, regulate <laughs> us and and make sure the environment isn't destroyed by these people that are have nuclear power packs on their back." Right. So that brings us to our halftime on this subject of cool guys in fiction. You're the cool people in reality because you are the listeners to the Mount Rushmore podcast. We do appreciate you and we do want to talk to you. Please say something cool on our Facebook. Say something cool on our Twitter. Uh, Take a picture of something cool and tag us on our Instagram. Uh, Show us how cool you are by downloading, rating, and reviewing the podcast episodes you'll find and listen to them and share them with your friends please recommend us to somebody else because we're hoping to reach out and take your cool and spread it around the world make the world cool who's next uh i am and you know richard earlier you mentioned uh, a cool guy that has other traits i got yeah i got a cool guy that has another trait for you he's a dog is he a guy a guy dog he is a guy dog maybe a guy not in reality not a guide dog not a guide dog He's the original party dog. He is Spuds McKenzie. Oh, oh man. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Uh, Spuds McKenzie was a Bud Light spokes dog in the mid-80s. And he was a member of uh, Delta Omicron Gamma, a.k.a. Dog. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a cool guy. That's pretty deep. Pretty deep. Um, I guess he gained popularity as initially as just a... Dog on a poster in front of a giant goblet of Bud Light. <laughs> oh, right on. So since he's Mackenzie, by the way, M-A-C, can we establish that he's Scottish? Scottish. Sure. Well, Budweiser is a true oh, Scottish. Scottish. In the last Super Bowl, I saw a commercial for Budweiser that showed that he was a, a German immigrant moving in. And 
meeting up with another <laughs> German immigrant in our pro-immigration immigrant society. But no, Spuds is like this weird sports uh, spokesman yeah. for Bud Light. For Spokes dog. Spokes dog. The original party dog for a couple of years. And uh, he was just like, I don't know, this dog in a shirt that hung yeah. out yeah. with like hot women. And, and, and like skateboarded. And skateboarded. And I was reading about him. And he's like the real Poochie. <laughs> he is I was a, just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> he obviously was turned into like Slurms, Slurms McKenzie on Futurama. Right. When they, they, you know, they went to the, they won tickets to like the Slurm homeworld of their Slurms Cola. <laughs> and they had like this slug thing and he was the original party slug. But anyway. So anyways, they would play Spuds McKenzie as not a dog. Yeah. No one. And they never referred to him as a dog. Mm-hmm. They just referred to him like as if everyone was in on the joke, like he's just this guy. It's yeah. just all the girls loved him just because he was the coolest guy. All mm-hmm. the guys loved him because he was just the coolest guy and he'd skateboard by and he'd have yeah. his sunglasses and he would do just, he would just, he was rich. What do you think he made his money off of? Well, it was the 80s. So it was probably some sort of investment. Drug, 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 drug running. Drug running. Yeah. Well, there was a shutdown of Spuds McKenzie. Uh-huh. Um, Strom Thurmond, noted senator and racist oh, yeah. general asshole. Yeah. Um, he got together with uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and another. Uh, he who, got together with those ladies. Uh, and, and another and another like anti children's programming campaign. Uh, well, I thought you said you were going to say anti children campaign because <laughs> that'd be different. <laughs> That's just the current administration. Right. Um, they got together to try to shut them down because they were claiming that by using a lovable dog that it was advertising to children to try to get children to wow uh and it didn't work like there was a lawsuit that went out that was thrown out but eventually there was so much bad press Mm -hmm. that uh budweiser just was like let's just cut ties with this yeah so they kind of ended the promotion in like 1989 and and maybe it was time because you'd kind of been growing out of the lifestyles of the rich and famous sort of era of the mid to late 80s mm-hmm. and they brought back spuds this year in the as a Super ghost Bowl. <laughs> as a freaking ghost so he's dead how, right how depressing <laughs> is that that's weird and creepy and like this uh, the best thing about spuds is a ghost still wearing a like a hawaiian shirt right well <laughs> you, you, I, I imagine whatever you died in and i'm assuming he died of liver failure i saw some great like pictures and memes online uh wait memes memes who cares i do okay deeply what does meme stand for um, yeah. N- nailed it. Yeah. So uh, that would show like the Star Wars ghosts, like it would show like Yoda and mm-hmm. and Obi Wan, and then someone like edited in spots, spots floating behind them. Real, thank you, Internet. <laughs> the Internet never fails to amaze me on every level, whether they're awful people or really clever or. The main thing I still remember about Spuds McKenzie was his appearances in the Bloom County comic strip. Oh, wow. Specifically know. when he was a presidential frontrunner in 1988 <laughs> and then smashed his car into Mother Teresa's car and wound up uh, having a paternity suit involving Benji. Um, and then Budweiser dropped him to replace him with a uh, a more wholesome character. And there was the Care Bears. Mm. Um, and then eventually uh, turned out that Spuds McKenzie was a female, which was in real life. Yeah. And he also insinuated that some other character in Bloom County was actually a female and then passed out drunk. God bless this dead dog. Oh, so good. <laughs> okay, what's your next, Richard? That was such a good pick, Michael. Yeah, thanks. That's really good. 
Um, my next pick is Wooderson from Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's kind of the most recent image in my mind. Really? Yeah. Of that cool guy. It's probably because he's the new Fonzie, the guy who's a little bit older than the kids around him, mm. right? Kind of hovering around. Is it? Right. Am I picking the wrong at this Matthew No, no. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. From, from okay. Dazed and Confused. Yeah. yeah. And it almost seems like they, I keep getting older and they keep... They stay the same, same, same. same. I, just love I that. keep going to the bathroom to use my office that I have set up here. <laughs> I love that that we all thought that was uh, Matthew McConaughey's breakout role as an actor. Then we realized that was his only role as an actor. <laughs> that was the only thing. He, his, 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 I hope you like that because I'm going to be doing this for the next 30 years. His complete range yeah. was Witterson. And that was hey, This is the movie Contact and I'm going to do the same <laughs> yeah. thing. I'm going to be a hippie priest. All right, all right, Dallas. <laughs> who wants to buy some AIDS medicine? <laughs> That's Ray Charles as Matthew McConaughey. Do you remember all like the these clowns that uh, were? It came out and were like, "Oh, now it's the recon- it's the reconnaissance, and he's back. He's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the exact same characters. He did. Yeah. He did one good stint on a, an HBO show, yeah. and then that's yeah. about it. The flat circle kind of went right. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you realize, sort of, it's interesting you mentioned the Fonzie thing, because the Fonz is like a cool big brother mm-hmm. to the gang. This yeah. would be like if the Fonz was trying to hit on, uh, on what was the sister? Joni. Oh, Joni. <laughs> yeah. If he was trying to put the moves on Joni constantly, uh-huh. that's what that's what <laughs> the Fonz would be like. I just want to tell listeners right now, I as a judge have a difficult job, and that is these guys just shower me. It's like a golden shower of great suggestions that I'm just being bathed under. Thanks, Trump. And I just had McKenzie and McConaughey. So I'm thinking there's one point here split between the two of you before McConaughey. Wait, McKenzie 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 Key. Okay. All right. So So okay. So was the character cool or is McConaughey cool? Well, I don't think you can separate the character from 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 McConaughey. Yeah. It's just, I think they're just one and the same. Just split right down the middle. I, I would say anybody who can be cool wearing a Zorro mustache, because that's yeah. kind of what he had in that. Right? Yeah, he's he's got a good looking out. He's got the, yeah. the, the tight like kind of shirt and like the salmon pants. Yeah. You would tell me more. If you're rocking tight salmon pants and you can be cool. <laughs> God bless you, sir. I hadn't seen this movie up until this last year. Really? Yeah. And I even cut into it. Uh, Emily was watching it. I picked it up maybe 15, 20 minutes into it. I just, for whatever reason, it never it never hit me in college. Maybe it was just out. What, what year did it come out? 2000? Uh, 93, 94, something like no, that. No, that far back? I was in college, yeah. Oh, for sure. shit. Um, yeah, I just, for whatever reason, it just never, it never hit me. And then it was like, oh, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. What yeah, you, I mean, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, so this is another rite of passage film, and I think of right. the uh, many times the cool guy is the person who escorts us, like Chris Knight or like the Fonz. They kind of escort through us through this institution, and in these cases, they're all academia, right? So that's right. kind of an interesting element of that. And I know uh, Spuds McKenzie was a, McKenzie was a junior in college, I think, during that campaign. <laughs> was he? Yeah, I think so. I think he had what to was his, ma- his senior well, year. What was his major? I think he's a red shirt. I think uh, it's major. Was, major was partying. Yeah. Partying. <laughs> uh, did the this comes out of complete complete ignorance here? Does he get any sort of comeuppance at the end? Is he like? Is he like? No. A, is he like a cool guy that gets like? I can't remember because oh, I'm you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of like the Ben, ben, Affleck. ben Affleck character. Yeah, you're that was that. that was a total asshole Jackass, through the entire yeah. movie, and then gets kind of he gets his own. No, no. All Wooderson does basically is hang out at the uh, at the uh, bar. That they're at outside. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. And then goes inside and plays pool, mm-hmm. and then comes back outside. 
I do feel like that's all he does. There was a sense that he is because he does have his own statement that they stay the same age. Wait, what does he say? That's what I like about high school girls. I get older, they stay the same age. Now, is that Ray Charles or is that (laughs) Stevie Wonder? That's Stevie Wonder (laughs) reading the lines because he can sing. Um. (laughs) So he does. He does confess to his Arrested Development. He's stuck in time. Right. And the, the McKenzie character plus 15 years is a depressing person, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, and one of the good parts is that uh, when Wiley Wiggins, the blank in his character name right now, but the, the high school freshman, mm-hmm. um, when he's sent in to go buy beer um, as a 14-year-old by the cool kids, when he starts talking to the uh, old guy behind the counter, he basically becomes Wooderson. Yeah. He oh, starts talking yeah. about working because mm-hmm. like Wooderson works for like the city doing something. Uh-huh. And he basically just repeats everything Wooderson would say because mm-hmm. that's like immediately he thinks, how am I going to get through this? Okay. Act like a cool person. And uh, apparently uh, Matthew McConaughey partially got Lisa on an audition for the role because he wound up, he was at a bar, like a Hyatt in Austin right before they were shooting or a little bit before they were shooting and wound up getting drunk with the casting director. Oh, Stayed wow. up till like two in the morning. Uh, drinking with him, and so the casting director suggested he come in to audition for Wooderson. Uh-huh. And initially, Richard Linklater was like, "Well, I like you, but you're too clean cut. Like he had short hair, was uh-huh. like shaved and everything." He's like, "No, man, I know this character. Let me come yeah. in and audition." And he came in, and he was like, totally was Wooderson, you know, bloodshot, you know, half, half, half open yeah. eyes, and kind of heavy lidded. I think that audition's yards. online. We could probably link it in the. I show think notes. there is, yeah. Okay, okay so Makana Kenzie might be emerging as a. More more choice between you guys. Okay, Michael, what's your last choice? My last one is the character within a character, uh, Buddy Love from oh, The wow. Nutty Professor, uh, both played by Jerry Lewis, obviously, the 1963 version. So I guess the character is kind of the same whether you're talking about Jerry Lewis or Eddie Murphy. Um, it is the person that the nerdy, geeky, dorky scientist who's so inept in every aspect of his social life in the world sees as the cool person. He's the person that he's like, I've got to turn into this lounge singer, this hipster, this ladies man, this guy that, Mm -hmm. you know, can, you know, can get the girl and can be the person that I've never been able to be and never been comfortable with by taking this, you know, ridiculous potion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think the theme all throughout today so far has been like, who is the person that the non-cool people or the less cool people see as cool? And Jerry Lewis, who has always been kind of a okay kind of cool guy, but he's also like the comedic guy of yeah. the Rat Pack. You know, is Buddy Love basically Sinatra? Is he uh, is he Dean Martin? Is that yeah. just like his take on like, yeah. this is the guy that I've always wanted to be, mm-hmm. that I've always seen as like, is the society sees as super cool and what can I do to yeah. turn into that, you know, when I'm, being when I'm bummed out at the gym and I see all the ladies and mm-hmm. the, the the women the woman uh, you know his his love interest in the movie you know also kind of has that sort of thing she kind of hates buddy love yeah when she meets him but she's also kind of attracted to him yeah. so she can't really doesn't quite know what it is mm-hmm. but she knows that she thinks he's cool she knows mm-hmm. that he's you know yeah wants to get with him and he's at times, you know, pulled back and forth. You know, it's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing of like, it's drugs, basically. It's he, mm-hmm. he feels good 
when he's in that character, but he knows that it's detrimental to his life. Yeah. Well, that's that's you brought up something. It seems like it was first introduced in this last most recent round. Uh, although we did mention that Fonzie was cool because he had access to the female sp- <laughs> the species, and right. that was part of what was always convincing us that he was cool because he seemed to have mastered the art of wooing that Richie and Potsy and Ralph were just so so uh, awful at, mm-hmm. and that uh, with Buddy Love it was essentially answering that question to all of those who would go through that voyeuristic uh, wishful wish fulfillment of how could I get any woman I want? How could I be that person who's attractive to this girl of my dreams? And the fact that there's a magic potion or some kind of button or some kind of jacket you could put on or something like that. It was also the foundation for all of advertising. Yeah. (laughs) You you take take this thing and you're cool. You drink this soda and you're cool. You drink, you have this cigarette and you're cool. You wear these clothes and you're cool. (laughs) It is so funny. And it, it is something that is kind of a, a story trope too. Ultimately, the hero has this magic potion, and then at the end, they learn that the magic was inside them the whole time, sure. and they learn to do it without the the magic. So uh, that's a that's a very compelling because it also um, puts a he a nerd and a cool guy on two sides of the same coin, which is which is kind of interesting. So, all right, Rich, what's your last choice? Okay, so my last choice is Danny Zuko from Greece. Oh, okay, yeah, ultimate. Yeah, you know, again, another greaser. Uh huh. Yeah. Cool guy. Yeah. So maybe that's why. I didn't, also, another reason I didn't go with Fonz. You can't really have two greaser. Cool yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very, you know what? Speaking of like the fifties, was that when like being cool was invented? Like, who was cool in the thirties and the twenties? Was it just like guys in Glenn Miller? I don't know. It's yeah. It's strange Benny to think Goodman. That at some point, yeah, there... Scott Fitzgerald was pretty fucking cool. Right? Yeah. But, right. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know. Um, I'm thinking like there's a lot of like actors like you know, Rudolph Valentino. What was Sirhan? I bet Sirhan Sirhan was kind of cool in the '70s. Yeah, <laughs> but th- I guess my point is like there's something that that seemed to have happened. Maybe it was television or just rock and roll in general, where all of a sudden there was this you know anti-establishment character that came out that started being that people just started you know in teenagers I guess and, gen- and specifically were like. Okay, that is that's who I want to be, and Danny Zuko and that sort of greaser lifestyle is definitely right in line with what was the. If you're a buttoned up, you know, uh, short haired school kid, that is really cool. That's what you want to be. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one of the reasons I found him interesting it's it's the duality of him being the ultimate cool guy at school and around around his friends. But then what we see is obviously there is this dorkier side. Yeah. When he's with Sandy, you know, whether it's you know initially when they meet over the summer or these times when it's just the two of them. Is one is one an act or both an act? Well, they can be both parts of the same person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I guess that's what the end is supposed to be, mm-hmm. is that you don't have to be one or the other. You know, Sandy can be. Mm-hmm. You can jump in your flying car. And yeah, and drive off, off in the sunset. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the point of life, really, if we get down to it. But yeah, I think it's kind of, I think that's kind of the part of it. You know, he spends all of this time in a lot of you know a lot of the movie is him trying to impress her by not being him. Yeah, you know, he you know the scenes where he's trying to find a sport that he likes because mm-hmm. he thinks that's what you like, and he winds up finding you know track, which he's it's... actually decent at. 
This is this is another Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde thing of this dual split personality yeah. of cool and kind of cool and uncool. Yeah, yeah. and or, and co- yet, or cool and normal and normal. Man, I've been like dorky, but just yeah, he, he, running track is not like <laughs> the dorkiest thing you could possibly be doing. It's not like you decided to join like the AV club or something. Yeah. Um, is it cool to change for a foreign exchange student, some Australian? Yes heart who comes in your door when he could have cha-cha de gregoria or uh, <laughs> stalker channing well if you could have soccer channing oh, again man. <laughs> nothing says hot like a 40 year old high school student who sounds like a 60 year old uh, bartender <laughs> okay so each of these gentlemen have registered their picks at this point it's my role to go in and try to evaluate who i think would be the winner and let me just tell you there's some themes emerging that i think are actually fascinating I would say, like, within Richard's um, choices, I went through this gamut that kind of began and ended with Travolta. If you think of uh, the wolf as this guy, a lot of Richard's choices, I feel like, um, are escorts to another world, people who are saving and redeeming the people around them, people who are a guide sheep leading these other sheep away to a, to a higher ground or to... Um, it's a shame there's a wolf at it's, the end. Yeah, weird. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, so I just think it was a, a neat choice from you know the Harvey Keitel character, the wolf in Pulp Fiction, who comes in and saves Travolta. And then um, real genius, we have this person who's a leader amongst this crew of nerdy students. And Danny Zuko is also kind of the leader of really kind of a dubious bunch of kind of morons. There's a lot of people in this crew who are kind of wannabe prototypes or wannabe copies of Danny. But they're all this kind of almost like Lenny and Squiggy from Laverne. Right. Some some level of like bad carbon copy of it. Yeah. 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 There are a bunch of characters. And then uh, Dazed and Confused Ed Wooderson is really kind of this older character who's kind of guiding them away or through this very awkward rite of passage that is high school. So I thought it was neat that a lot of your cool guys were these kind of father figures to, to the people who they were involved and surrounded with and then there's that, that yeah it's almost like a travolta turnaround right you know so it's almost like uh yeah travolta himself in that pulp fiction fractured narrative is walking through once again and his uh timeline got screwed up uh with michael i was thinking of the meek inheriting the world there are a lot of these people who are cool in light of the 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 people of diminished stature who are around them in the young ones, Mike is de facto cool because he tells everybody he's cool. <laughs> right. If he hadn't repeated his uh, mantra of being cool over and over again, would you even know it? Um, and Bud Light, the spokes dog, is this fascinating. Um, Spuds McKenzie. Sp- sorry, sorry. Spuds McKenzie, the the Bud Light spokes dog, is really this kind of mank. We don't. He has no evidenced personality we just know he's cool because there's bikini models telling us he's cool he's almost like the most interesting man in the world who was recently dumped by i think by dosekis was it right or they got a new one they or got something. a new one where he doesn't really ever say anything but everybody else convinces us he's cool that is like the uh, the thing in shakespeare how do you know he's the king because everybody bows to him he doesn't necessarily <laughs> do anything very regal um and i love that um Buddy Love is also kind of that person. He's uh, he's taking using a potion to kind of become um, a cool guy when he's really a meek guy. There's something really compelling when we talk about Buddy Love, the fact that there's really two sides of the same coin, that this is a world where we only know cool because of nerdy. I didn't get to mention a person I thought uh, was cool, but like when I was in high school, a guy hipped me to Cheap Trick. 
and there was this guy in Cheap Trick, uh, Rick Nielsen, who was um, both a cool guy because he was a blazingly talented um, electric guitar player and played great lead. But he was also a dork because he dressed like Hunts Hall from the Bowery Right, Boys. yeah. <laughs> and would hop around the stage like an idiot and yeah. throw a, about 100 guitar, guitar picks, picks into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> the first three, at least, Cheap Trick albums are very specifically done on the gatefold. Yeah. So it's like the hot guys on the front, so Robin Zander and Tom Peterson. Yeah. And then the dark-ass guys on the back, <laughs> yeah. Buddy, Buddy, Buddy Carlos, Carlos and, and uh, Rick, Nielsen. Rick Nielsen. Yeah. Looking like a moron. And so you know what I think, guys? What's that? This is going to be a two-parter. What? Yeah, this is going to be a two-parter. Shocking cliffhanger? Yeah. Let's double or nothing. Let's double or nothing and go uh, have a list Ooh. of cool people. Uh, as a non-cool person i would like to just cash in my winnings now and then play it really safe maybe put it in the bank and let it earn a five percent interest you gotta let it roll that, man uh, let's double or nothing this is a two-round game all right so uh tune in we next need a, week we need a, we need a nerd so we're gonna or, do or a geek or uh, maybe a dork so we're doing dorks next week dorks next week hey fictional dorks we got our fictional cool people we can't do real dorks because there'd be three uh choices right here in this room Okay, so maybe in this uh, this uh, these bookends of Mount Rushmore podcast, we're going to both entertain what it is to be cool and what it is to be a dork. So we'll see you in the next episode where we're going to leave this uh, leave you hanging on this cliff to find out who got more points in this cool guy episode, and then we'll figure out who got more points in the dork episode. And uh, as always, this is Mount Rushmore, and I'm Jeff. This is Richard. I'm Michael. 